Welcome to the USA Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guests today are Sakura Yamamura from Iron University and Paul Lassalle from University of Strathclyde. They published an article entitled Intersecting Where the Multiscalar Contextual Embeddedness of Intersectional Entrepreneurs. It has been published in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? Um, so the paper is seeking to explore the complex and specific issue uh, faced and experienced by intersectional entrepreneurs. Intersectional so, entrepreneurs uh, being uh, people who are, in this specific case, LGBT uh, persons plus uh, who are also at the same time migrant. And um, the problem about intersectionality and in entrepreneurship has been that uh, this particular gender perspective has been quite much, uh, well, not ignored, but uh, is little presented, I would say, and also um, the question about intersectionality has not yet been sufficiently answered. So this was uh, the first contribution, but the second one we're doing in that paper is also to embed the experience of these intersectional entrepreneurs into a spatial view of entrepreneurship. So this is the second gap we're addressing, which is in terms of um, thinking about the spatial contextual embedding of migrant LG, uh, plus entrepreneurs beyond views that are like, for example, mixed embeddedness, which are taking on one side the networks and, and embeddedness in institution. So we go a bit beyond that by having a, a spatial and multiscalar perspective uh, of entrepreneurship. So in that contextualized view of entrepreneurship, we adopt uh, a multiscalar view whereby the different levels uh, have been have been studied um, in 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 our um, in our study. As as you'll see later, there's quite a few different uh, methodologies that we'll be using. Because the rural aspect, for example, the rural and urban are both considered at the moment. They have been mostly addressed either from women entrepreneur on one side or from for ethnic minority on the other side. But the intersectional dimension of this embeddedness has not been yet uh, explored. Maybe to the spatial side too, I'm a geographer, so I have to add something to that part too. And 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 this uh, these debates on spatial contextualization in entrepreneurship has not been really properly um, conceptualized yet. And that is uh, why we wanted to write a paper that goes back into looking what exactly are these spatial contexts that are mentioned everywhere and but still most of the ca uh, case studies uh, focus on the on one specific spatial context so we wanted to give a, a different take to uh, show how much any uh, entrepreneurship basically is embedded in multiple uh, layers of uh, spatial context so yeah to complement that in terms of the the gaps we we saw that not only we want to contextualize the experience of this entrepreneur in one particular location or in one particular sector, but really want to contextualize the expense overall in all the different layers that play a role at the same time. What are the main contributions of your paper? Okay, this is always the you know important question in uh, academia. And I would say 
it's offering a spatially contextual perspective of entrepreneurial diversity. And I would also add that um, the whole debate on also intersectionality and entrepreneurship has been um, having this gender perspective and looking at uh, women, uh, minor women and ethnic minorities or uh, migrants. But this uh, gender perspective has been quite binary, and we wanted to uh, break that uh, approach um, to to uh, really bring LGBTIQ persons in and also looking at uh, the migrant part in that kind of intersection too. I think that's a very important um, contribution. So to develop that, as, as mentioned earlier, we bring a contextualized multiscalar embeddedness, which covers all these geographical, administrative, political, a level in which the entrepreneurs are acting, but also the markets which they are identifying and reacting to and enacting opportunities uh, within. And so, talking about that, I, I would definitely say that uh, whereas um, other studies tend to look at specific, for example, rural contacts, uh, we uh, want to show how much um, the scalarity is uh, basically at any point there. So um, entrepreneurs, uh, be it mi migrant um, entrepreneurs and uh, LGBT persons or any other, they are embedded in this uh, spatial context of uh, supranational, national, regional uh, context, as well as also um, within the regional in different interurban contexts. And even within cities, there are these different neighborhoods, so intra-urban uh, differences of uh, space that's something that we're uh, really trying to push forward as an agenda on this multiscalarity of embeddedness and um, quite important um, also to understand the uh, marginalizations and uh, what actually intersectionality was about or is about is about these challenges and well let's call it by its name, discrimination that uh, people are facing and specific ones as intersectional um, uh, entrepreneurs and minorities. And that's something that we try to show by giving this uh, conceptual uh, well framework to look into these uh, phenomena. And just to take example, to really illustrate those contribution, uh, if we look at the national level of policy, which is one of the most explored uh, area in terms of uh, minority support um, in entrepreneurship, uh, there are, we identified in, in different uh, national contexts, policy that are either supporting women into entering entrepreneurship or into growth in entrepreneurship or migrant entrepreneurs, but there's very rarely uh, or any explicit policy that really support entrepreneurs with intersectional dimension. So this is already a first element that our framework allow us to identify is how our intersectional entrepreneurs have been supported at a different level and already we see at the national level that it's not visible. What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge or challenges in addressing such a question? Okay, this is really uh, something that every researcher publishing papers know. It's quite difficult to publish a paper that embraces a variety and a diversity of methods. And our paper is really, uh, in that sense, uh, challenging for us to write, but also to to make reviewer aware of, you know, what's the benefit of doing so, because we reveal that multiscalar level. We thought, um, well, it's actually originating from the fact that we had data at these different levels, so it emerged from this data. But then, when we were writing the paper, we had to present it uh, in such way. So what did we have is at the same time a mixed method approach where we had on one side qualitative work and on the other side 
a, a survey on the demand side, so a survey of the actual customer uh, in, in uh, different locations. But even the qualitative approach was also uh, mixed. So it's mixed qualitative data that we collected. At the same time, we had an uh, interview with entrepreneurs themselves so to explore their uh, contextualized lived experience, but also interviews with experts, be it policymakers at the different levels, so national and regional level, or even um, at the urban level, interview with activists of the different communities, uh, intersectional communities, and also participant observation in various events uh, that were here, to, I mean, that were designed to support um, either migrant or LGBT uh, entrepreneurs in, in, in their venture. So we triangulated those qualitative data at a different level, but also had the demand side survey, which is a very unique and novel uh, survey on, on customer base to really see whether this more entrepreneurial aspect, so the opportunity aspect, was already existent and actually could meet a particular demand. So this was the first challenge to combine all this mixed method and quality and quantity, but also having mixed qualitative uh, you know, data collection, which allow for a better triangulation to really, really understand and capture that embedded experience of the intersectional entrepreneurs at this different scalar level. Then comes with uh, the practical issue of convincing reviewers of such a uh, complex mixed method, which uh, I believe most um, yeah scholars will know how difficult it is to come into this uh, dialogue and convince that this mixed method, which is quite extraordinary, is still uh, helpful to really um, understand what is happening and also to explain the multi-locational approach. Uh, this is something where there was a lot of uh, debates, to be honest, and and but still uh, it worked out very well. I believe. And um, the other second challenge or uh, is the LGBTIQ participant specific challenges. So there are different dimensions there of a uh, even identifying uh, uh, the right entrepreneurs is difficult. That is why we really needed to, to go into this in-depth methods of uh, good old ethnographic work of participant observation. So to even um, identify such persons who are at the intersections, I mean, uh, neither sexual orientation or gender identities, uh, nor even migration uh, backgrounds, so to say, are visible always. And by that, you have to, uh, really go into the field and uh, try figuring out where they are. And this is also coupled with this theoretical take on intersectional entrepreneurship in the end, because um, there are different ways to look at intersectional uh, entrepreneurs. Of course, we are talking about the pers persons who are migrants and LGBT, but uh, intersectional entrepreneurs can be also um, understood as those people who actually um, uh, provide services and products for such a, a group that could be part of the entrepreneurship too. And to really uh, understand this uh, diversity of, of uh, intersectional entrepreneurship was, uh, I would say, uh, quite a, uh, both a theoretical, conceptual, as well as uh, methodological and very much in a practical sense, uh, a big challenge. Yeah, and we also have to be um, aware of the sensitivity of, of this information. We, we're not here, you know, as academic to out people or anything like that. So we have to be very cautious and this brings a, an extra ethical uh, challenge to the, the study, but you know it's uh, also part of the novelty, I think, uh, of the paper to have been able to identify those entrepreneurs, been able to 
uh, generate enough trust to to have uh, you know life stories and an explanation because the paper talks about entrepreneurship and ultimately <laughs> but it has to do a lot with life choices and decision uh, made in terms of choice of location and this is something we we will develop probably in the next question about you know what what surprised us or what sort of uh, finding emerged but for that we our question our our interviews our observation had to be about more than just entrepreneurship choices but to link it to life courses too so during your research journey what was your biggest surprise or the most counterintuitive result started answering that thought so go ahead <laughs> yeah i sort of started um to mention that um actually after, after you know a, a few years between you know data collection and, and writing sometime we don't remember what surprised us but Clearly, um, the main surprise, I think, was the consideration of what is favorable uh, for entrepreneurs and especially what are favorable location to move into. It came really as, as, a, as an emerging uh, finding and it surprised us. And the first aspect was at the interurban level of the choice of city to which they would move. So in their life course explanation, it was quite clear that the rural environment was rarely conducive, both of entrepreneurial activity, but also of uh, acceptance in, in the local uh, society, which cause, you know, problem for um, and discrimination for their own lives, but also um, in terms of entrepreneurial activity, it's really limiting the market, uh, which is an issue that any entrepreneur face, but it's even more, you know, important and, 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 uh, and, and stressful in many ways for intersectional entrepreneurs. So the assumption we could have had was that cities with highest GDP per capita or, or more developed economies and also cities with highest foreign born population would actually be the best choice for these entrepreneurs to, to move into. And actually what we found is it's not the case, but they were more favoring cities which had a combination of higher share also of uh, ethnic minority population and also of LGBTIQ friendly uh, environment. So it's really revealed to us the importance of looking at the actual characteristics of the urban environment just beyond the, the statistic of, let's say, diversity in the broad sense, saying more migrant, more foreign-born population would be a more open environment for uh, intersectional entrepreneurs. And this, is, this was not the case. Uh, so this, this really was the, the main surprise in terms of whilst adopting an intersectional lens, we had to account for the complexity of this diversity into the assessments that they had of the all the location to move into, but also the market potential that they saw in this location by considering both the gender ethnic di and, and the ethnic diversity among the different cities uh, when they were made the choice to move. Um, well, that's that's a sociologist talking about doing a geographical fieldwork and being surprised, I would say, <laughs> in a certain sense. But uh, on the other hand, I would say, um, yes, this, this favorable uh, part that you mentioned is something I thought was very nice to look at that. Yes, we all know from, uh, well, from news politics and also uh, articles that uh, it is a lot about these challenges and all these uh, discrimination that they face. But I very much, not as a surprise, but was uh, very happy to see how positive it was in that sense that these entrepreneurs were more looking into the opportunities and taking these challenges more in a certain sense matter of fact rather than becoming uh, negative about it and, and starting to have 
uh, resentments or anything. So there was, and, and at the same time, of course, it is very nice to see that there are cities and parts of cities where they can venture out and, and figure out how to deal with it. And um, at the same time, not that much of a surprise in the end, but what I uh, felt very much is also this discrepancy between uh, the discourses on uh, diversity and intersectionality issues, uh, depending on, on which actors we look at. So we, uh, all these policy makers and politicians do talk about, uh, you know, how dif uh, how difficult it is with integration issues, how um, complex it is with intersectionality and all these uh, terminologies. But the lived experience is something that is uh, can be quite far off from all these. Uh, uh, debates, uh, theoretical debates in that sense, and also to see what kind of stance the activists were having on it. And um, all these um, complexity, as, as uh, Paul has mentioned already, is something um, not the biggest, but still um, it's important, I think, to do empirical fieldwork to understand this, this complexity and to be surprised by different perspectives. There. What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, Policymakers, practitioners in general. Should I, should I, start? Um, I will let you talk, Paul, more because you're at the business school, so I think <laughs> it's more uh, directed to you. <laughs> but in, uh, still, um, I think uh, to realize at all that there is this multi-scalar embeddedness and raising particular challenges, uh, I think that's something very important um, uh, to have as an agenda out there for. Um, entrepreneurs and also practitioners, uh, policymakers to understand because at the end of the day, as entrepreneur, you have to navigate at these different levels anytime you start a business. And at, at the same time, practitioners and also policymakers have to provide support and opportunities which are at different uh, policy levels and different uh, uh, spatial contexts. And that's something uh, to to, I think, uh, figure out. And also, um, well, as a geographer, of course, I, I want to stress the fact how important it is to understand the geography and this uh, social scientific context that goes with it um, to really, um, well, uh, embed whatever policies you're coming up with and strategies that you have to uh, come up with. So yep. the rest is yours, Paul. So yeah, to, to just build on that on a more practical side of, you know, what what it means for entrepreneurs, this realization that Sakura mentioned is quite important because in the in the fieldwork is what it was not necessarily conscious that the choices of uh, which niche market to target. I mean, of course, they were conscious decisions, but the, the fact that different uh, locations were balanced uh, was not necessarily a conscious choice or at least it emerged during the interviews that they had made those choices uh, retrospectively. So the first thing is really that realization of the different level of support, the different also market opportunities that are out there in the different inter intra uh, urban levels so which different neighborhood, but also which different niche and which different markets are available for entrepreneurs. And the second part, and I think this is probably even of a stronger practical contribution of the paper is really in terms of providing support. What we observed from the very beginning, from the literature and from uh, what policymakers uh, are actually putting in place, the support is very much monodimensional and supporting one particular type of entrepreneur. So, for example, women in business or migrant or ethnic minorities, but there's very little consideration of the intersection of those 
uh, different support policy and what's really needed. So that's the side of what support is needed and at different level because the kind of support at the national level is very different from the one that can be provided at a very local or regional level in terms of what entrepreneurs from intersectional uh, identities uh, really need to have and which is very different from what the mainstream population is generally looking for. So really emphasizing again that element that policy support has to be more tailored to specific groups, but also has to be tailored at a different level. So what is it really what the policymakers are trying to achieve with those policy? But also on a more positive side to realize that there are a lot of opportunities in terms of market presence and access that can be even favored and encouraged by policymakers. So for example, the city of Amsterdam has quite a strong uh, LGBT support agenda, not to do with entrepreneurship, but they have that, that support available. And by that, they provide, by doing so, they provide opportunities for LGBT uh, intersectional entrepreneurs who can really benefit from a more visible presence of a particular uh, well group, but also as a market, it's available for them to seize opportunity and identify them or even create their own opportunity in that particular context. So really, I think our, our analysis, both from the empirical, but also the, the theoretical framing of this multi-scale embeddedness really reinforce those two aspects of providing support to the, to the specific groups, but also encourage opportunities that are out there or are here to be created uh, through policy making. More uh, theoretically, it has, of course, uh, implication in terms of considering geography into entrepreneurship. So, of course, Sakura as a geographer made a very good uh, advocate for that, but also really recognizing the importance of social structures in entrepreneurship and not dismiss the fact that these social structures have a very strong influence in the way entrepreneurship is being framed at the individual level, but also in terms of the collective uh, groups of entrepreneurs, but also the relation between the entrepreneurs and the market they are meeting and how these communities can be in that sense empowered to also uh, become, you know, in that sense, a niche market and, and a group of uh, network of entrepreneurs as well. So this would be another step to consider. Thanks a lot, Sakura and Paul, for presenting your paper Intersecting Where? The Multiscolor Contextual Embeddedness of Intersectional Entrepreneurs and for participating to our show. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-ead.com and on the main podcast platforms.